So today's scripture reading is in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16 in the NIV. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your care for us, for giving us your word, that for speaking the truth and love to us that we can now hear from. Lord, would you open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word? And Lord, as we just read about works of service, we pray for the, the service already happening in our church. We pray this Saturday for those in the community who will come in for the community breakfast, whether those are people who might be in danger of not having their next meal or those who might have a different danger, might be in danger of isolation, or for those who simply um, would be willing to come in and meet others. Lord, we, would, you, would you let us be a welcoming community? Would you open our doors wide? We pray for our youth. We pray for the faith and finances course. We pray for all the, the ways that uh, that those among us will be serving this week as we're sent out to serve from here, as we always say at the end. Lord, we entrust this time to you. Would you teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're still in a series that Bryce has been leading us through to take us through the core statements, core vision statements of our church. And this is the second week we're going to be talking about growing. Uh, growing together as Christians, maturing together in our faith, and we just read about getting what we need from God and from each other in order to keep growing, to find our place in the world and, and to find our place here in the church as grown-up Christians. Uh, if you were a kid in the last few years, 10 to 15 years, or if you had kids in that time or grandkids in that time, nephews and nieces, any of the above, or if you just like watching children's movies, you, you might have noticed they started doing this thing where they do a movie short at the beginning before you actually get the real movie, the, the one that's, uh, that has the, you know, it's on the cover. And if you ever watch uh, when the movie Brave comes on, there's a little short that comes first called La Luna. And it's a, it's a story of a grandfather, a father, and a son, and they're rowing a boat together, and they, they're, uh, they're rowing out uh, to, the, to the moon, uh, and, it's the, and it's the boy's first time going with them. It's kind of his uh, coming-of-age moment. And they have these little conflicts about the right way to do things. The grandfather thinks things need to be done this way. The dad thinks things need to be done that way. And the boy's just kind of watching the generational conflict. But when they get to the moon, they start doing their job, which is that they, uh, they sweep little stars across the face of the moon so that 
you know, explains, okay, why does the moon wax and wane? Well, there's, there are little people up there who, <laughs> who move the light around <laughs> every night. So as they, uh, as they finish, uh, you know, they're kind of celebrating now the little boys. He, he's, he's part of the family business now, and they, they get excited about that. It's kind of a touching picture. What's touching about it is you see all three of the generations there kind of engaged in the role together, uh, and, and they've each got a job to do. They've each got a task. To, to, to grow up in that little make-believe world is to take your place alongside others and have a mission, have a role, have something you get to do and to be a part of. It's um, a little different than you might say the coming-of-age rituals that are in the culture around us because most of those are a trajectory of, of independence, not of necessarily joining a team or being a part of uh, something bigger than yourself, but actually find instead the trajectory is uh, doing more and more on your own. So we look at, okay, when do I get my permit? When do I get my license? When do I get my first job? When do I live on my own? The emphasis is doing things on my own. Starts out pretty early. Actually, our little littlest kids always say that. I want to do it by myself, right? Uh, but it goes deeper than that. Um, if you ever read novels, uh, coming-of-age theme novels, usually it, the person's doing something that either something that feels really authentic or a little transgressive or risky or immoral or foolish, and that's kind of the, the coming-of-age moment, like The Catcher in the Rye, for example. But there are a lot of stories like this uh, where you just kind of stumble your way into what you're, I guess, supposed to do as a grown-up, to do things on your own, though. That's the point. And it's actually a lot of pressure. Uh, there's sociologists and philosophers who talk about what happens in a culture when the traditional sources of authority and the traditional community ties get weaker and uh, they exercise less authority in a person's life, especially at that moment of growing up, and how much anxiety this leads to. Because now you have to figure out life on your own. It's up to you. I've got to reach down deep inside and, and search inside of me to find something uh, valuable enough, interesting enough, uh, worthwhile enough that I can then give my life to and conquer the world with. And if that's what that means to grow up, then uh, nothing normal is going to cut it to do with your life, uh, certainly nothing mediocre. So it's a lot of pressure. So no surprise, a lot of people struggle to go from dependence to independence, to go from together in the family to then on your own. And so you hear a lot about failure to launch or commitment issues or people who hit snags or troubles in trying to grow up. And, you know, there are a lot of factors involved in what we've seen in the rise of violent extremism, the rise in mass shootings. But a really common story, not everyone, but a common story, uh, a common thread in the stories of people who fall into this type of thing are often disaffected, disconnected young people, usually a young man, who gets radicalized online with the allure of something bigger, something that's not independent and alone, but somewhere that this person fits into a bigger story, uh, that, that, now, that now there's this meaning. There's a, you know, life is very ambiguous, but here's a clear, here's a clear uh, conspiracy that explains everything. Bad faith actors are easy to pull them in, and plenty of people are willing to sell them weapons. So it's a serious thing not to know how to grow up. There's an urgency to it, right? the, to the spiritual part of growing up and the life part of growing up, and they're connected. It's what is my life for? What's the purpose 
of my life? How, where do I fit in all this? Here's the contrast I want you to see. Around us, coming of age, growing up, it's mostly understood as this individual, isolated, independent thing. Uh, you do it on your own, and that's what it means to grow up. But then when you read the verses that, that Matt just read for us, they're interested in a very different kind of growing up. Because the more growing up you, you, you do in this, in, in this passage is the more connected you get. The more you're part of something, the more you're connected to other people in finding and pursuing this purpose. And it gets us to a certain kind of independence. You don't stay in a childlike state, um, but you recognize the dependence first. So if your kid's spiritually first, you need parents spiritually. And God is our father. The Bible talks about God being a good father, making sure that we get what we need. And what we need in order to grow is connection all through that passage. Connection to God, connection to his people. And when you have those things, you grow. And as you're growing, two things happen. One is that connection protects you. The other that it, is that it empowers you. And that's kind of how we'll organize our time, those two parts. We'll start with the, the protection part. The first thing we read is that God gave gifts in the form of gifted people to help us grow, especially some of the key leaders that get mentioned. But before what was just read for us is in verse 7, is that grace was actually given to everyone, uh, to every member, so that uh, every member has a valuable gift. And we'll hear more about that in a minute. But first, when we hear about these gifts coming to gifted people that's to build us up and to help us grow, the thing we need to remember first is, uh, is not to forget the giver of the gift. Uh, verse 8 of Ephesians 4, we hear that Jesus is the giver of these gifts. So our trust has to be in him because, of course, people, the gifted people, no matter how gifted they are, they're going to fail us. They're going to fall short. And the direction, the direction we have to send our, our worship, our praise, our gratitude is only toward the Lord. In the book of James, we hear every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from whom there's no shadow or, or variation due to change. And the gifts then that come to us by our connection to God and to each other, they, they all come from that giver, from, uh, from the Lord, and through our connection to him. And all throughout the book of Ephesians, if you were to read it kind of straight through, you'd see a phrase coming up over and over. It's in Christ, or with Christ, or with, with Jesus. And this is the core of the Christian faith. There are different ways we could talk about the main thing, but the main thing is to be connected to Jesus is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're as Christians, we're trying to be little Christ following him. But connected to him, one of the old catechisms in the church's history says, when we're united to him, that's how all the blessings flow to us. That's how we get cleansed from our sins. That's how we're cleared of guilt. And that's how we're adopted into the family, the uh, the fancy words of justification, sanctification, adoption. These things come to us because we're connected to Jesus. We're united to him. So if you're an adult coming to faith in Jesus, if you get born again, you also have to grow up again. You have to be discipled. You have to grow into spiritual maturity. And we need each other to do that. From the very earliest days of the church's history, it wasn't just this private individual faith, something you could do all on your own, but that you needed each other for. Verse 15, especially, it gets at this. We speak the truth in love for each other. And that's especially what happens here on Sundays. So we heard the word read to us. We sing about the Bible. We pray through parts of the Bible. You hear it preached. You see it kind of displayed in the Lord's Supper. All that's meant to help us grow up spiritually. And then in this passage, it gives us a couple pictures of what that looks like. So one is 
Uh, and most of them are metaphors of the body. So one is you get taller spiritually. And the other is you get steadier. So you get stature and stability. And both of those protect you from real dangers. Because it's, it's actually dangerous not to grow up or not to be getting bigger and growing up. So when you're littler, when you're smaller, you're a lot more defenseless. So for example, if uh, I see an adult kind of walk toward the road and I'm driving by, I might slow down and kind of just watch and see, is this person going to try to cross? But if it's a child that steps toward the road, it's a whole different story. Like, I, at that moment, I think all, all the responsibility is on me to make sure this is safe, right? Because I'm not expecting the child to know to keep himself, herself safe. You're a lot more vulnerable when you, don't, when you haven't grown up. You're a lot more defenseless when you haven't grown up. But a healthy person's body uh, gets bigger and the mind gets wiser. So you see those dangers, you avoid them. Verse 13, we want to grow, quote, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to grow up into every way, in every way, into him who is the head, Christ. I always thought, it was, so the, the picture here is you got this big head and a little body, which is kind of like, I always think it's funny when you have little kids because they kind of look like this when they're toddlers. <laughs> Their head is very disproportionate compared to the body. But they don't stay that way, do they, right? The, the body catches up to the head. That's what part of what maturing looks like. And that's kind of the metaphor here is you have the big head who's Christ, and he's, he's a, you know, he, everything, everything we're looking to be and to be guided by, and we're the body. We're each parts of the body, but we want to grow and to get, get bigger to fit with the head that we're a part of, the body that we're a part of. And in all this, uh, of course, we don't reach it in perfectly in this life, but we want to grow. And it's dangerous if we don't. There's a very rare uh, illness uh, that, that affects some people, especially uh, some children. It's called uh, Clove's syndrome. And what actually happens is that the, the certain parts of the body don't grow in proportion to the other. Some grow much, much too fast, and some don't grow as, as quickly. And it's actually, it can be life-threatening because you, you need, uh, you know, essentially, you know, your body needs to be able to grow to fit the organs, or you... you um, uh, some limbs can be out of proportion with the others, and it causes problems, it causes pains, it causes uh, vulnerabilities. And similarly, we're not really safe or healthy if we're not all growing together. Uh, if we're not all growing together, we're not all healthy together. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six says, if one suffers, we all suffer. So we're wanting to grow up together in a spiritual stature, and we also want to grow in the stability. Verse 14, we want to grow so that, quote, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness. And so the picture here is you don't want to stay a kid. You don't want to stay a child. Um, you don't want to be tossed around or too easily persuaded of things that are not wise. Things are actually dangerous. That's part of what immaturity means. Um, quite a few examples of this. I'll just give one. Uh, so when I was in college, I worked for a Christian camp. It was up in New Hampshire, and at the end of the summer, we'd always have this, this kind of celebration, and we'd talk about the good things that happened that summer. We'd stay up really late and, and have one last hangout, you know, as a staff before everyone would go home, you know, over the weekend. And one year, I was driving back with one of my friends to go back home, and he had the bright idea for us to leave to go home after the party, and I went along with it. So we left at 3 a.m. in New Hampshire to go to South Carolina <laughs> where we're from, and we got there at 10 p.m. that next night. And we did make it there safely, and uh, I drove most of the way, 
uh, except for one or, one or two stretches, I, de I definitely hit the rumble strip <laughs> and uh, I was nodding off. It was so stupid, right? It's something I did at 22 that I'm not going to do now because I hope I've grown up a little bit. And um, it's good to be able to tell stories like that that kind of, like you can kind of laugh at yourself or not just have to be just disturbed and grieved by because a lot of immaturity is really dangerous. Like there's some number of stories most years where college kids are having like spitting contests off balconies and someone dies, right? So the, the immaturity is actually life and death. Verse 14 tells us that growing in spiritual maturity is something that helps us not get tossed around by bad ideas, our own bad ideas that take us off course. And the ones that we're supposed to mostly be worried about are ideas uh, that, that we need to stand steady against, uh, the winds of doctrine, bad ideas people sell you. And usually, it's on the surface, they, they offer to meet some kind of need for you. I don't know what winds uh, press on you, uh, but some of them can be surprisingly strong. And often, I think their messages kind of like this. Here's one. It would be a lot better for you if you had a more impressive job, you know, made more money, could take better vacations. So, you know, keep your eye on that prize. Go for that. Or be a lot better for you if you were married or not married or had a better marriage. So why don't you take this shortcut to get there? Or it would be a lot better for you if you were thinner or better looking or more interesting. So get it together. Like, make that, give that your attention. Those are ones that are I think, persuasive to a lot of people, to a lot of us. And uh, they, they, I think, get traction. They are persuasive because sometimes they have a grain of truth. They sound like something good, or at least they promise something really good to us. Uh, because the truth is, you know, greed or infidelity or an eating disorder never, you know, greets you at the door and explains exactly who they are, right? They, they hold out something positive for us. That's part of, that's why the lie is alluring. It, it, it promises to solve a problem either by giving you something good, bringing something really good into your life, or, on the other side, helping you avoid something really bad, uh, giving you kind of a refuge, a, a safe place, something other than God to not, oftentimes, not to have to feel things that otherwise you would feel. So whether it's alcohol, sexual sin struggles, whatever the temptation is, the allure of, or hope is that it's going to protect you or keep you safe from something that, um, that you're facing, that you're afraid of. When we're connected to each other, when we're growing together, we're less vulnerable to those winds blowing and pressing in on us. We're, we're stronger when we're together. Uh, when, when you, how, I mean, how much better is it, it is than, rather than to run to something to take away pain, to know people who love and have heard and love God's command to rejoice with those who rejoice, but especially to weep with those who weep, and to actual flesh and blood shoulder you can cry on. Um, someone who wants to be with you in your pains so that you don't head toward it down a bad path. And so God's gift of protection to us comes through our connection to each other. It protects you. It also empowers you. As that second part I told you was coming. God's, uh, so with the opposite of, of being tossed around by the bad ideas you saw in verse 14, then move to verse 15. Is speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So the connection of being together empowers us. Uh, one example of this, I knew an older man some years ago, and he was a pastor, and he, he was a professor of psychology. And he sometimes would say, 
You know, it's important not to punish a kid just for being a kid. And then he explained what he meant by that was that, you know, if they're doing something that's kind of, this is developmentally appropriate, this is kind of the next step for them to, to, to grow up, like this kid keeps climbing on stuff and he keeps getting in trouble for climbing on stuff. And he said, actually, you know, this is, that's, that's the next step developmentally, so give him something to climb on. Find, help him find something safer to climb on. Give him, a chan- give him chances to actually practice this new skill. I think the metaphor holds that God is a good father to us and way more than human parents, way more than, than people like us. He knows exactly what we need. And so he gives us the opportunities for us to take that next development step in our spiritual growing up. So he gives us those chances. It's not something that's reserved for the super saint Christian. You know, it's, it's for everyone. Speaking the truth in love is actually for everyone here. Of course, it's, you know, it's part of the job description for pastors, for leaders, to teachers, to, to, to all of them to help us grow. Uh, servant leadership, like Jesus models for us, is essential. But that's not the only gift that matters. Sometimes in the history of church, the institution of the church gets corrupted, or uh, the leaders that you thought you could trust betray that trust. And so s- sometimes cyclically you'll see uh, groups of, of people seeking to be faithful kind of pulling out and trying to recreate or to reform uh, every Protestant is an example of this. Been going at it for 500 years trying to get this right, to reform, right? To, to avoid, the mista- avoid mistakes, to try to cultivate healthy leadership. But of course, we can't just rely on leaders, even though that's very important. The role of every member is important. We need the fathers the mothers. We need those examples. But we also need friends and brothers and sisters to walk with us. Verse 12, yes, God gave us leaders gifted leaders to equip us, to serve us, minister, building us up. But also, verses 14 and 15, we're all empowered to do something similar, just speaking the truth in love. I want you to think for a second. Can you think of a person you know who's good at maybe one of those things? Uh, Maybe someone who's good at speaking the truth, this person who lives a life of honesty, integrity. If you knew you wanted someone to tell you the truth, regardless of whether you'd like it, you'd ask them. Can you think of a name? Try to think of a name. Now think of someone who you think is really good at loving. This person is generous and kind. It's like a person who's a warm blanket. You want to be with this person when life is hard. Thinking of a name now. Uh, It's never the same person, is it? (laughs) Like you never get the same name for both of those things. And part of that, of course, that we we have different gifts, but we're actually all called to do both. We all have to speak truth and love, to share lives of honesty and integrity with our words and also lives of sacrificial love with our actions. And then the words and and actions together, uh, we speak the truth in love. Jesus says, they will know we are Christians by our love. Especially we think of the actions, like the acts of service that we've prayed about just now a minute ago. But there's also something else that really helps us grow that these verses emphasize. A lot of times it's, hey, you know, your words aren't going to matter if your life doesn't match up. Life doesn't match up with that. That's a lot of the Bible. Uh, but right here it says, okay, let's focus in on the words, though, for a minute. We actually really need words. We need conversation. We need teaching. We need people to build us up through our relationships. And that's the, the, the key here, that we need it from everyone. You know, I told you about the movie short, uh, La Luna. Uh, something that's interesting, I didn't see on the first, first several go-rounds, but that I, I heard about later was that when you, when you watch it, the grandfather and the father, you never see their eyes because they have these big bushy eyebrows that cover their eyes entirely. So the whole, the whole thing. 
And the only person that has eyes is the boy, and he has these huge eyes, right? So the, old, the older people, they, uh, they're set in their ways. They only see one way of doing things, and the little boy sees all these possibilities. He can solve problems. He tries new things and um, new solutions to problems. And uh, you see a little of our cultural bias coming through there, right? Um, in other places, uh, the, the person with the biggest eyes is the older person, right? The person who deserves honor and respect is the elder in the community. Uh, whereas for us, generally, we worship youth, right? Um, we, we love the, the, uh, the, the maverick, the new person, the, the person who sees things afresh and doesn't actually have experience, right? We see, we see that side of things more. Uh, other cultures, very bound up in traditions. They kind of go off in the, uh, that extreme. Uh, for many of us, you know, we resonate with the kinds of sayings we have, like, every man for himself, <laughs> Right? There's, there's a high independence that we're pushing back against. But the truth is that uh, older people see things younger people don't see. Uh, and yeah, younger people see things sometimes older people don't see. And then the people in the middle uh, see things that the other two don't see either. Uh, everyone has blind spots. Everyone has spiritual blind spots, but everyone has eyes. And we need all those eyes to see what we won't, wouldn't see on our own. And even in that little you know, movie short, La Luna, you do get a glimpse of this. Because by the end, you see the little boy, he finds his place in the family. And he's not the same as his father and grandfather. So the grandfather's like, here's how you wear your hat. It's kind of popped up, uh, uh, you know, popped up here. And then the dad says, no, 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 you got to pull it down like this. And so then he, he wears it backwards. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, the grandfather's like, here's the broom. This is what you need to do. And the father says, no, 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 that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the old way. We use a push broom. And then the little boy, he goes and finds a rake. So, you know, he, they all have a different gift. They, they, do, some, they do things differently. Um, and in the end, they all work together. That being connected to the family empowers that little boy to grow up and to take his place in the family. He steps up and he works. And he's a contributing member. And that connection that he has to the family empowers even the youngest to serve which I've heard in previous years, that's kind of how the community breakfast worked, was that sometimes the kids would actually serve the neighbors uh, at the tables. It's a good example. But our connection to God uh, and to each other, it, it empowers us. We have these chances to serve uh, that we wouldn't have on our own. And our connection to God and each other also protects us, like we talked about in the first part. What do we do with all this? Well, I hope when you read verses like this, Part of what you get is a desire to actually live into that connection more, to, to step into it, to step up, and to try to connect with each other. It's difficult. Um, community life is, is hard at times. Um, even if the efforts feel small, I hope you feel some motivation to do that, to try to, not, try to push against the culture of isolation. Because we need you. We need your words of encouragement. We need you to speak the truth in love. We need every single person here because everyone has a gift that the whole body needs to be healthy. So I invite you to step up and step out into caring for each other. I hope, hope you feel a little, a little pushed in that way. But there are, probably a couple other, there are probably some people sitting here who kind of feel like, oh, that's, that sounds great, connection sounds great, I'm so isolated and so disconnected. And all I can think of is all the disconnection and isolation that you feel. And if, if that's you, I... I want you to not get too stuck in looking inside uh, as to find a way forward. Um, because that usually leads us to a kind of a discouraging place. If you're stuck only in the kind of self-examining, like, oh, how am I doing with this? 
how do I connect? I don't, I'm not really growing, all that, right? We're not ter- perfect. Um, and as important as our connections to each other are also, that, that's, also that's also not the main point. That's also not the, the direction we're looking. Our friends, our mentors, our leaders, all the people in the church and in life uh, truly are gifts to us. When we talk about them as gifts, once again, that brings us back to remembering the giver of the gift. It's God's kindness to call us to community, even though the community life is actually really difficult to pull off. It is God's kindness to call us there because, again, he's a good father, so that means he knows what's good for us. So he doesn't hide from us the things that we need in order to grow. He, he invites us to them. And so any command in the Bible, and this one too, is actually given to us for our good. It's, it's a gift to us as, as, uh, as something to live into. Uh, the commands are gifts. But it goes deeper than that too because they also kind of show us how much we would fall short. And they point us to, again, the giver of the gift. And so we're called to community, but what we face immediately is that we're the kind of people, we're all, we're all people who in different ways have broken uh, or, or, or caused problems in the community. We are called to this connection, but we've been ourselves sources of disconnection. We've all done this. Uh, no one has loved our neighbor as ourselves perfectly, much less than perfectly. Many times I probably feel like, I don't really love my neighbor very well at all. I don't love my, 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 uh, the fellow members here very well. We, we're all going to see areas where we need to grow. We're all going to find areas where we remain immature or vulnerable, and that's true at every age. We're all, we're all going to fall short of speaking the truth in love. So what do we do? Well, when we look to Jesus, we see God coming close to us and into our world, even going through the growing up process too. He learned obedience by the things he suffered, Hebrews says. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with people. Luke tells us this. So he lived in loving connection to others. He went through that maturing process too. He spoke the truth in love perfectly. He got that balance right. When we talk about Jesus dying for our sins on the cross and then, and then God receiving his good deeds on, on our behalf and consequences of our sins, the consequences of our sins and being placed on him. This is part of what we mean. That he didn't deserve it. He, he endured disconnection. He endured isolation. They did not speak the truth and love to him. He endured the consequences of community breaking that we all deserve and we all still struggle with. This is the way that God receives us, imperfect as we are, that through, Jesus, through Jesus, so that we then are his children who he's leading along. I love that picture. My, my, one of my favorite passages in, he, in Hosea 11 where it says, O Ephraim, O Israel, don't you realize I was the one who took you up by the arms and taught you to walk? You know, that's how it looks when parents are teaching little ones to walk, right? But the Lord is that to us because of Jesus. And so when we pursue community, we do it as those accepted and humbled because we're not always great at it. Uh, we're not always great at life together. We're building each other up in love. But we have a good guide. We have a good shepherd who leads us there. You know, parents uh, often kind of tell the older ones to look a little bit after the younger ones. You know, you look up to the brother and sister. It's kind of the next step. It's a little easier to do than imagine being like your parents, isn't it? In the Bible, in Hebrews 2 and also in Romans 8, we hear Jesus called our brother. Someone who's gone the way to maturity up ahead of us, 
and who will make sure that we get there too. Would you pray with me? My Father, would you grow us? Would you give us the next thing we need to take our next step of growing up, whatever the age? Lord, would you empower us to be of help to each other, to help keep each other safe from the many dangers, but also to see the beauty of what life is in you and in the family. We pray in Jesus' name.